Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Moment of Truth. And um, normally you would see several of us here, but uh, tonight it is Thomas Miller and myself, Chris Cannon, coming to you from Troy, Texas and Belfast, Texas, respectively. How are you doing, Thomas? Fantastic. We're, we're a suburb of uh, <laughs> Troy is a suburb of Belfast. So. Oh, I think it's the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> I look outside my window and I can see nothing but cornfields. So, yeah, we're definitely in the suburbs out here. But uh, good to see you tonight, man. Have you had a good week? Well, it's only Tuesday. So uh, ask me in about two more days. No, it's been, <laughs> it's been good. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm asking with hope, you know. But um, This has been a rough week and it's only Tuesday. You know, no, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It's been a good week. Week's been good. Week, good week. Good week. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, it's good to be with you this evening. And if you're joining us, um, glad you're jumping on. Uh, Harlan is on vacation. Wayne Lott is on vacation. And Roy just left us. We don't know where Roy is. So uh, anyway, we're uh, going to miss those guys tonight. But um, um, Thomas and I are going to kick some things around. We hope you enjoy being with us this evening. And if you are watching this later, um, after it's already recorded, welcome. We'll welcome you, too. And uh, we hope you uh, are blessed by by what you hear. So, Thomas, for the last uh, few weeks, and I think we're kind of wrapping it up this evening and moving on uh, to some new ground next week. But we've been talking about what are some of the the realities in the life of someone who's trusted Christ as their Savior. What is true of us spiritually, and um, what what can we discover from the Scriptures? And uh, we've talked about some cool stuff. We're gonna we're gonna cover a couple of these this evening. And uh, man, it's jumping right in with both feet. You uh, you take up the fellowship of the saints. I mean, what you know? Last I, it sounds like some out of Lord of the Rings. You know, the fellowship of the ring. <laughs> We're all marching off to Mordor to defeat the enemy. Right? Version. It was his his. It was, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, when whenever I throw we throw the word saints out there, what comes to your mind, Thomas? Well, if you take out the, the, I guess, secular view, we think of saints, if people apply what we call the Catholic Church, things like that, uh, Roman Catholic Church. But saints, for me, and you can correct me, it's, it's kind of, this is, I guess I'll have the, lay, the layman perspective here. Saint is one that has diligently followed the will of God as best, and, and has basically, um, I don't know, Chris. You tell me. What would you define as saint? I was just thinking, like the New Orleans Saints as a football no, no. football team. Oh, you simpler answer there. I, yeah. I guess you're you're way above my head. I right think now, we brother. need to define <laughs> saints a little better for my own use, uh, so that I because again, it's easy to get it confused with the secular view. Or not say secular, but the the more worldly religious view of a saint versus yeah. you know what we define saints in our in the New Testament church. Yeah. Like the Catholic Church will confer sainthood on someone. And yeah, so that's a good thought. You know, you look at the word saints, it really just means um, holy ones. It comes from the, the word that gets translated holy. And it's those who are holy because they're, they've trusted Christ as Savior and they're set apart in Christ. And so that's uh, just a simple way to look at what saints are. But yeah, when you trust Jesus as your Savior, we join the fellowship of the saints and I'm looking over here in John chapter 17. So if you're with us this evening or you're watching this later, you might want to grab your Bible and uh, turn over there and check this out. But, you know, this is the in the upper room, the night that Jesus is going to be led away, arrested and led away to 
<clears throat> to a, a false trial and a uh, and the crucifixion. But he's he's um, praying for believers here, and he says um, he says I'm not praying only on their behalf, but also on behalf of those who believe in me through their testimony that they will all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. I pray that they will be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. And so, you know, Jesus in this, this prayer that he's praying for all believers for all time is um, asking that, that we would be one as he and the father are one. That, that's a, it's a pretty amazing thing for Jesus to pray when we consider that, you know, Jesus and the father are, are one with the Holy spirit. And he prayed that we as believers would have a similar oneness. And so there's a, there's a connection when we trust Christ as our savior. It's like, Hey, like it or not, you're spiritually connected with every person who is trusting Christ as their savior. And that, that's a pretty, that's a pretty incredible thought to try to get your mind around that, you know, people in America, people in China, people in Russia, people, you know, on the North Pole, people at the South Pole, if there's anybody there, you know, South America, if anywhere there are believers and across time, you know, a lot of these believers, you know, that have gone before us have already died and their spirits are with Christ and some are yet to become believers. But, man, we're, we become part of that fellowship of the saints, the holy ones who, who are in Christ. What thoughts jog through your head as I'm, as I'm talking about that, Thomas? Um, well, originally I was thinking of penguins when you said South, South Pole and all that, but no, I, I think of, uh, I think of, uh, Honduras, you know, we go to Honduras, mm. our church did and, and, uh, shows us with believers with Osvaldo and there, that we're separated by at least a Gulf of an ocean, you know, and then we're separated by language barriers in some cases, but we're all there for a unified reason. And you look at pictures and images and videos and people are smiling and we're, we're, contributing to a feeding program and it, you just have you know a, a nice mixture of of different um different nationalities but all for one purpose mm. yeah have you been on a mission trip before like international or anything thomas not internationally i've been to colorado it's yeah well great it's like a so, country no, it's oh it is brother it is <laughs> i went to colorado for a for a, a revival and vacation bible school uh and because co colorado i mean we don't think about it we're in the bible belt but think about the the western part of the united states there are you know here if i say i'm baptist people say oh yeah yeah i know what you mean out there it's a lot more or less common you have a lot of mormon influence a lot of catholic influence mm. in that part of the united states yeah so that's true so so you've got an experience of going and working with some other christians somewhere which is really what i was getting at and one of the things that has amazed me and you mentioned honduras is like you can be down there for a very short amount of time or, or wherever you are with other Christians in the world. And it's like, there's this, this bond forms so quickly and it's the Holy spirit. It's being in the fellowship of the saints. And, you know, you can go to some kind of conference for work or, you know, whatever. And you can spend a weekend going to, you know, breakout sessions and, you know, main group sessions at a symposium or whatever. And you meet people and you kind of network and whatever. But that is nothing like what happens when 
believers from very different walks come together and spend time together. It's amazing how fast very close relationships can be formed. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so, man, I, I really appreciate you bringing out the concept of, of mission trips because, and, you know, believers cross-culturally, especially because I really think that, you know, you see the influence and the impact of what Jesus prayed here, like a couple of thousand years ago. That's pretty mind boggling to me. Um, another passage for us to look at as we're looking at this concept of, of being one in this body of believers is over in Ephesians chapter four. And um, it's uh, just starting in verse one. The Apostle Paul writes, I, therefore, the prisoner for the Lord, urge you to live worthily of the calling with which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, putting up with one another in love and making every effort to keep the unity of the Holy Spirit in the bond of peace. I, you know, I read over that for a lot of years and then I heard somebody preaching on this and they said, you know, all of these qualities that we're called to emulate here, you can't do them if you're by yourself. If it's just me, I don't need humility. I don't need to be gentle. I don't have to be patient. I don't have to put up with anybody in love. And I don't have to make any effort to keep the unity of the spirit. Point he was making was that all of these are required of people who are in community with one another. And, uh, you know, even among believers, you don't have to be together too long, you know, and and our differences, you know, they can begin to crop up. But and as you, as you just go on down through this passage, he goes on, he says, there's one body, one spirit, just as you too were called to one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So, you know, and I'm, I think it's really important for Christians to understand that when you trust Christ as your savior, it is not just you and Jesus. I mean, it is. But it's you and Jesus and a whole big family. And, you know, I think a lot of times people get an idea that, well, you know, I I don't really need to go to church or be involved in a church body. I can, you know, I can believe in Jesus and do my Christianity right here from my couch on Sunday morning. And, and, you know, there are times when maybe that's necessary. I mean, we just came out of COVID-19 shutdown when it was very helpful. But the importance of, you know, being involved in that body of believers, um, you know, and Thomas, as, as you've been involved in church for lots of years of your life, you went through the COVID shutdown and you were a really integral part of helping keeping us going. And you're on the other side of all that. Now, what what insights did you pick up over the years of, you know, being with believers and then all of a sudden not? And then being back, as we look at Ephesians 4, John 17, what have you gleaned over the years that is really just jumps out to you? I think that sometimes we we get so I'm, – I'm never going to tell somebody not to overstudy the word. You definitely should always make that a priority. But I think we sometimes get to, the, to a point where we're not able to apply what we've learned. We, mm. we keep learning and learning. And again, I'm not telling you you shouldn't do that. But I think there's a phase of any type, any type of instructional information you're given, whether it's it's biblical or even in a in a in a <clears throat> you know academic mindset, that you've got to apply what you've learned. And it's hard. It was hard 
least during COVID, it was hard to apply what you've learned because you're doing everything remotely. And the only thing you could do is check on people, you know, maybe over the phone and in some rare cases make contact. It really, I felt that it had, it, we had taken a lot of those abilities for granted. So mm-hmm. before COVID, I think, <clears throat> pardon me, I think we got into it. See, it's allergies. I think it's affecting us both. Oh, me uh, too. <laughs> I think we, I think, and I still think we could, we could easily fall back into that, but I think we took a lot of things we take a lot of things for granted of that. Mm. We're going to be able to, to be together and, you know, to, to, to quote, to, don't forget the sick. Uh, there's the being at church because there's also the commandment. Don't, for, don't forsake the assembly of the saints, meaning you need to assemble uh, together. But also I think that apply, applies into in the way my, my, I'm looking at another translation, but it's got a little sub point walk in unity, you know, above it, which is what it's saying. This verse kind of pertains to, I think that what I've seen over the years is we take a lot of things for granted that we can do and you don't miss it till it's gone, which we Mm -hmm. missed a lot of what we dealt with during COVID. But I think that, you know, there's always that warm feeling of coming back in when we did our first business meeting and we had uh, the sandwiches prepared and my meal of cookies that I ate uh, (laughs) because I'm an adult now and I can make those decisions for myself and (laughs) and chips, you know, and uh, and, uh, you know, I think there's that warm feeling of coming together with other believers to conduct the business of the church. And, and I guess if, if anything I've learned over the years, it's that you can take things for granted and you need to always live in a mindset that says you could be in COVID again. I don't want to say live in fear, but I think you should yeah. always live in that mindset of we may not have this opportunity again in the future. We need to take advantage of what we have now. And um, especially with interacting with other believers, um, what's the, what, a, what a perfect test of, 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 of our faith of to be with people who are like-minded, but have our own differences. You know, I, I'm, I'm not partial to okra, but I know some people are, you know, I'm Me not either. partial to certain things, but, and that's a very basic example, but you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not an angler. You are. And, and, you know, we don't argue over it. You just, you know, <laughs> we get to, you get to see Thomas panic when there's a fish in front of him, you know, that kind of thing. But, but we're like, we're still bonded through our faith. Yeah. And so that's the commonality that we have. Yeah. That is one of the fascinating, <clears throat> fascinating things of church bodies is probably all of these people, you know, who come together would in no way ever <laughs> be together if it wasn't for Christ. You know, you're, you're just, you just, I don't want to say thrown in, but you join in you know, with people that uh, you may be very different uh, from, but, you know, being able to learn from one another as we walk together, you know, with Christ is a glorious thing. I, I love this. I could just spend the whole time in, in Ephesians 4, but, you know, Paul goes on and he talks about how, how Christ has gifted members of the church with spiritual gifts, and we, we use those to serve Christ, to serve one another, and, and, and to help the body grow. And it's just all, this whole chapter is just about, you know, this, this fellowship that we share when we're together in Christ and to be able to, you know, I think about being here in our country, it's so easy to do in some places in the world. It's not so easy um, to fellowship with believers just openly. And, you know, I mean, pretty much without fear. And so I, I think to your point of, we take things for granted. I think it's really good to remember it and to give thanks to God for, the fellowships that we have, the church bodies, you know, where we meet on Sundays and Wednesdays and during the week and that we're able to do these kinds of things. And 
in in such tremendous freedom something really to be very grateful for <clears throat> absolutely yeah well and and kind of keeping on that point of, of different walks of christian life coming together reminded a, a hometown pastor uh, was from, well, he was from colorado which was why we went to his hometown for our, our mission trip but he 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 was a cowboy a, a, you know like a colorado cowboy not your texans cowboy but he like would a cowboys work. fan or like a real cowboy no, he was Buckaroo. a broncos fan but he was a cowboy oh like, gotcha yeehaw you know rounding up horses and cattle well he uh more like horses he would he would dress in the you know western motif cowboy not cowboy hat but a hat and you know he was cowboy wore the boots and that's just his normal attire well he we had had a, a biker friend or biker member from from he oh sorry what the movie that better be god calling no, yeah. no matt cannon <laughs> um here we go um we had a we had a, a member join he his name was aubrey ramsey and aubrey was a former member of the banshee motorcycle gang and this mm -hmm. is a public story but he would tell the story and he had just accepted christ and he was like pastor what can i do i want to help he was retired um, the Banshee, the way this group worked was you either got beat out to leave or you were tired out. He was fortunately able to retire. I don't know if they do the 59 and a half rule. I don't know how that works, you know, but he was able to retire out of the, out of the, out of the group and turned his life over to Christ. Mm. And one of his first few weeks, he had just accepted Christ and he was in the process of getting tattoos covered and, and lasered and, and, uh, just to really show that he was serious. He, uh, said can i help can i help you deliver food because we would deliver food to some shut-ins and so there there picture this a guy dressed in leathers and, and cowboy or not leathers but biker attire everything the do-rag and all that with a cowboy preacher you know <laughs> who packed heat you know <laughs> and so right going up to doors and knocking and there were people like i'm afraid to open that door but they but they <laughs> but they had the same like-minded views yeah. You know, and, and, and over time, Aubrey, you know, Aubrey, great, great guy. And he over time made adjustments to everything. And he preacher didn't preacher still dresses like that, but right, it was yeah. just, it was just that dynamic to see those two out delivering food and doing mission work together and, and mm. visitation and things like that. It was just, just interesting to two walks, yeah. different walks of life. Yeah. So. I imagine people were afraid not to take the food. <laughs> oh yeah. yes. Thank you. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. And Thomas, it's such a great illustration. And I, the thought that occurred to me is that every time we see this, I would just call it an uncommon oneness and unity. I think it's a living, walking um, example of God answering Jesus' prayer that night that with John recorded in chapter 17. And uh, that is that is a powerful thought. And it, you know, it should encourage us. I think to know that we're part of the father answering the son and uh, you know, quite honestly, it should encourage us to pray because I mean, Jesus prayed and uh, the father answered and he's called us to do the same. And so, so that's really good. Um, another one for us to consider is that uh, we, uh, those who have trusted Christ as savior are granted access to God through faith in Christ and looking at talking about going from prayer into having access to God is a pretty good segue. But Hebrews chapter four, verse 16, it, it this is the way it reads. Well, let me back up. Let me get verse 14 through 16. It says, therefore, 
since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, meaning our confession, our faith in Christ. For we do not have a high priest incapable of sympathizing with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace whenever we need help. And it's this, you know, we, Jesus is our high priest. Um, it's got its roots in the Old Testament. In the temple, they had the Holy of Holies, and only the high priest could go in there once a year. Don't go in there or you're dead. And so he goes in there and, you know, he'd sprinkle blood on the Ark of the lid of the Ark of the Covenant and Day of Atonement and his sins were atoned for for that year. Well, Jesus, our high priest, goes into the Holy of Holies, actually in the presence of the Father. Our sin is atoned for, paid for. He has opened up the way. And the implication then is that if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, Jesus has opened the door and you and I have access to God the Father. And the application of this is confidently approach the throne of grace. It's, I think it's tremendous that it's, it's not just the throne of God. There's a lot of things that the writer of Hebrews could have put there. The, the throne of power, the throne of holiness, the throne of majesty, and it's the throne of grace. It's a place where we're able to come. We don't deserve it. But we can come freely to receive mercy and find grace whenever we need help. And by grace, when we need help, he means, you know, divine enablement from the Lord. Such a tremendous, tremendous truth that we have unhindered access to the throne room of God, where in days past, that was not so. But because of Jesus, it is. And the implication is go before that throne. And call out, call out in prayer, call out for help, lay your needs before the Lord, and don't come, you know, apologizing, Lord, I'm just so sorry to come before you, I'm just, I'm just a worm, and I don't, I don't belong here, and, you know, we need to have the right attitude, we don't want to be arrogant, but at the same time, you know, to come before, this is a, it's a command, God says, come before my throne, if you're, if, if you're in Christ, you belong here. And no, you don't deserve it, but it's a gift of grace. I want you here. Come with confidence. You know, it's like I think of the, you know, the Wizard of Oz when <laughs> you know, they're going up to the great and powerful Oz. And, you know, finally, finally, Dorothy's had enough. You know, she just, but we don't want to, you know, like have enough with God, but to come confidently. You know, I'm a, you're, you're a child of God if you trusted in Christ. And you have a place before his throne. It's graciously given. It's open and you're welcome. And we should go there. Look, whenever we need help, the Bible says. And uh, it's tremendously encouraging. And so, so here's the, as we kind of kick this around. So here's the question. How often do you think, Thomas, that we approach God's throne with this attitude in mind? you know, confident, it's a throne of grace, I'm supposed to be here, and I'm going to call it to the Lord, as compared to like coming, you know, with a, I would just call an, un, an unnecessary fear and timidness. What do you think? 
I think I, the, the latter is what many of us, including myself, sometimes approach God with. I mean, I believe in being a, a, a fearful respect, you know, but I think we tend to, and again, I'm just quoting myself, a lot of times it's like, hey, God, I'm, man, I hate to ask you this. I'm sorry to bug you with this, but can I, I need help in this. Now, does God hear me? Yes, I, I, I believe God hears me, but I think that I'm, I'm approaching that from a, from a, God's not going to help me. I don't deserve this. And, and, and I don't think that's, and as you're saying, that's not how he wants us to approach him. And I think many of us do that. You know, again, I think you should have a healthy, a healthy, fearful respect for God, but not fearful of approaching God. I think that's maybe a way to phrase it. Yeah. At least from my perspective. Yeah. No, yeah. It's a great thought. And I I think as I'm, as I'm listening to you, the thing that, you know, I think that if it's a throne of grace where we find mercy and grace in time of need. And so like grace is used twice and mercy is thrown out there once. Truly, this is a place where we receive what we don't deserve. Right. I mean, that it's hard to overlook that. And I, and I think there can be a certain element of pride and arrogance in not coming to the Lord. And no matter how we try to camouflage and disguise it, you know, with, well, I'm, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get, you know, bother you, Lord, or I don't want to, you know, I shouldn't be here, so I'm not going to ask, or, oh, I'm just unworthy, I'm just a, you know, you call it worm theology, mm-hmm. you know, or, oh, I'm just a worm, and I just can't even come into God's presence, and, you know, and so I think that there can be some real pride, because humility actually says, you know what, I don't deserve to be here, I don't deserve access to this throne, but it has been granted to me because of Christ. And because of that, I will come with reverence, but I will come boldly because this is where I belong. And, you know, I heard somebody give a definition of humility, that it was an accurate view of yourself. You know, because we are, we're all familiar with the kind of arrogance that's just like, you know, too good for everybody. But there's another kind of pride and arrogance that is, you know, self-defeating. You know, it. I'm no good. I'm dumb. I'm stupid. I don't have anything to offer. God could never use me. And the guy said it this way. He said, you can have a high view of yourself or a low view of yourself. But if the view is you, it's pride. And, and I think if if we have attitudes or, you know, fears or thoughts that are preventing us from coming before the Lord, there's a good chance there could be some pride there in not obeying God's call to come before his throne. Um, I think also another issue we struggle with is when there is sin in our lives we haven't dealt with. You know, we don't want to come before the throne of God because we got to deal with all this first. Well, a lot of times it's like you feel there's the guilt. You know, you feel like, God, I, I'm embarrassed to come to you. I'm sorry. Here's why. And, you know, maybe you jumped onto the kids more or I'm talking about myself jumped on the kids or, or yelled at the dog. I don't know. And, uh, he yells back. But, uh, I think that, uh, I think sometimes you, you, you're, we're fearful or at least again with me, it's Lord, I'm embarrassed. I made a mistake. I did this. I shouldn't have done it. I've sinned. You know, you, we talked about a few months back, sin versus mistakes versus, you know, I missed the mark, you know, God, I know this is not how you want me to, to pursue, uh, pursue Christianity or pursue my life. And I, and I'm embarrassed to tell you, I didn't do it right. And I'm afraid in the future I might fail you again. Well, 
you are going to. <laughs> There's yeah. no might, you will, but you're still forgiven. And I think that knowing you don't have to approach uh, an intercessory, you know, a human intercessory, such as a priest or something to that effect, you can go direct to God and say, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what's going on. Let go, let God, you know, one of those situations. Yeah. yeah and I think, you know, when we won't deal with sin, that is a problem. That's a, that's a problem all its own. But I think, you know, when we're in the process of dealing with sin, I think it can still be difficult to, to come before the Lord with that confidence and that boldness because of the awareness we possess of what we're wrestling with and struggling through. And, 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 and it can be very difficult. But again, the thought that comes back to me is if I allow, whether it's past sin or, you know, sin that I'm in the process of growing through and beyond, if I allow that to keep me from obeying this verse, then I'm not, I'm not focused on God's grace and mercy. I'm, I'm focused on sin. And there's still something that has got my attention away from where it needs to be. And so I, I think that while this is a very comforting verse, it's a very challenging concept as well, you know, to make sure that, hey, hey look, if there's, if there's sin in my life, I need to get myself before the throne of God with confidence that he'll forgive me, you know, and, and that we can deal with this together and he'll help me grow through it. And if there is past sin in my life and I'm wrestling with some false guilt over some things that are you've done away with in the past, I need to get myself before the throne of grace because God has already forgiven it and he's willing to extend that grace and mercy to me now, you know, and, and so I, it's a, it's, it's tremendously comforting, but you know, it calls us out at the same time. It's like, get over here, boy, you're yeah. supposed to be before <laughs> you're supposed to be here. <laughs> you know, if you've trusted Christ, this is your place. Let's go. Yeah. But anyway, what time is it? What's oh, 701? 701, sir. Great gravy. Yeah. That went by fast, Mr. Miller. It did. It did. But well, um, you know, and folks, if you're with us now or if you're watching this later, these are just a few of the spiritual realities that are true in the life of every born again believer. And my encouragement would be, as you read your Bible, watch for things that are true of you. If you see things like this, therefore, let us confidently approach the throne of grace to find help when, you know, whenever we have need. Push back for a second and say, you know what? That's me. That's true about me. I have access to God and he's given it to me. And the Bible's just full of things. And we've just talked about a few. You could make a very big, long list. Uh, but I'd encourage you as you read the Bible to read it through the through the lens of what has God said is true about me. And I, and I think you'll find it very encouraging. So but uh, anyway, well, Mr. Miller, I, you got anything to add? I do not. I do not. All right. Well, let me pray us out of here and we'll call it a week. All right. God, we thank you for another uh, moment of truth. We thank you for some really good discussion tonight over these things that are true about us. Um, Father, we have access to you, the eternal God, the creator of all things, the lover of our souls. And Father, in spite of our sin and rebellion, by grace through faith in Christ alone, we have been granted freedom to come into your presence. Oh, that we would take 
advantage of that often and every day, Lord. Um, Father, we are in the fellowship of the saints, of other Christians. We have an eternal fellowship. We are one bonded together by the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that we would take advantage of that by being involved in our local church and getting a, you know, a, a small group or in a Bible study or, you know, in some kind of a ministry where we can serve together and, and uh, rub shoulders with people um, with whom our hearts are knit together. Uh, Lord, we pray for um, Harlan and Wayne as they're out on a little vacation time. Please give them safety. And uh, Lord, we lift up Roy to you and in his endeavors and ask that you'd bless him. And Father, thank you for, for Thomas and the time we've spent together. And we pray that you would bless this um, moment of truth, uh, that it would be a uh, an encouragement to whoever sees it. In Jesus' name, amen.